from pain to joy, despair to hope, anger to courage. This is me. That was a dramatic reading of the blurb of Nicole True's 19, and this is The Naughty Prude. Hey, it's Joel from Zerat Magazine, and you are listening to The Naughty Prude Show, a podcast where my wholesome friends and I come together to indulge in a little bit of debauchery. <laughs> Giggles! Hi everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of The Naughty Prude, but this will be a special bonus episode, so I will not have any guests coming in today, it's just going to be me and you, an intimate little session. But yes, we are back with a brand new artwork cover of the, of the show, and um, also like, I think better sound quality, hopefully. So yes, this is hashtag quarantine content. Uh, I hope everybody's doing well during this circuit breaker, as Singapore calls it. But in other countries, we will refer to this as a uh, partial lockdown. COVID-19 has really made everything insane. And I hope that everybody is keeping well. So today, I'm going to be talking about a book that I've, you know, had a very complicated history with. So... As you can tell from the title of the episode, it is Nicole True's 19. So this book was released, I believe, like a year or two ago. Let me see. It was first published in February 2018. So two years now. And, um, well, I wrote a review of the book on Zerap and uh, it instantly went viral. And until recently... That article was the best performing article on Zerap for, I think, over a year or so. So, you know, people really resonated with that uh, review. And then ever since that article, I think I have, you know, developed this very weird obsession with the book. I, I'm still talking about it. I'm clearly obsessed. And last Halloween in 2019... I dressed up as Nicole Truth 19. That's how obsessed I am with this book that um, I only read once in my life um, and dismissed entirely. And, you know, the funny thing is that, like, someone actually um, in public saw my costume and took a photo and sent it to Nicole. So that was really funny because she posted it on her story as well. And you know what? To give this girl credit, right, I think that the, the, the sentiment around the book has not been the best, okay? You know, she was able to laugh it off at the end of the day, and I feel like that gave me a lot more respect for her. You know, we look at Nicole and, and 19, and I feel like making fun of this book was so 2018, guys. Like, I feel like it's time for us to rewrite that narrative. And, um... Just take a look at the book and try to read it with fresh eyes and see how it is like in 2020. So I think because we never really saw Nicole as a writer, we were all so ready to make fun of the book. So I'm going to revisit these pages and, you know, take a look at um, the poems and analyze them. And again, this is no shade, okay? Because we've been there, we've done that. Let's give this book a chance and let's really analyze it for what it is. All right, so let's break down the first three poems of Nicole Truth 19. 
Um, again, I'll be doing a dramatic reading of each one, and then we're going to break it down in detail and look at it through literary eyes, okay? So we're going to be talking about like techniques and everything and really go deep into the geeky part. Let's go with One by Nicole Chu. <clears throat> For I do not sing the right keys to your favorite song, and poems sounded better to you before. I try to convince myself that life is unpredictable and people move on. But I'll always know she sang the right keys for you. Your hands fit perfect on her hips. I'll know the poems that she read made your mind sore, just to meet her in worlds I could never find us in. So that's it. That's poem number one on Nicole Choose 19. So I've always said that you know, the opening song of every album is so important, right? Uh, the opening chapter of every book is so important because every opening piece frames your entire experience of that artwork. And for Nicole, it would be the first poem that we see in this book. So for her to open it with this poem we have to take a look, we have to examine that, right? Like, what is she trying to tell us? So, right off the bat, when I look at this poem, it's definitely one that is sad. It is one that is putting herself at a position of, like, a victim, or at least someone that has lost to someone else. So when she says, For I do not sing the right keys to your favorite song, it's fig figurative speech, and what I feel like she's saying is that favorite song refers to what her boyfriend or the ex-boyfriend likes. You know, what turns him on or what, you know, uh, floats his boat. But she is not able to satisfy that of his. She's not able to make him happy. And then the next stanza, she says, I try to convince myself that life is unpredictable and get this people move on. So this sets the, the, the context for all of us, right? Like her ex-boyfriend, let's call him um, Mike. Okay, so Mike has moved on to someone else, right? Basically, like when you move on, you move on to someone else. And in the next line, she tells us a little bit more about the situation. She says that, but I'll always know she sang the right keys for you. So she's drawing back to her opening line where she cannot sing the right keys, but here we have someone else. Let's call her Becky. Becky is able to sing the right keys while Nicole is not. And then this line, whew, this line. Your hands fit perfect on her hips. So it's a very visual. She went from figurative to literal, just like that. I think it's her telling us he has moved on, and he's now getting intimate with someone new. Then I think I feel like this line can be seen as a little bit of like a. There's a a, a hint of jealousy there. There's a hint of you know, uh, it's sarcastic, right? It's like yeah, your hands fit perfect on her hips. Although it can also be seen as at, seen at face value, where it's just like yeah, she's perfect for you and I'm not and she's feeling sad about it and in the last stanza she says I'll know the poems that she read that made your mind sore just to meet her in worlds I could never find us in 
And to me, that is her... I'm interpreting it as that's her saying that this Becky, this Becky chick is able to do things that will make you, your mind soar. She's able to give you ecstasy. Um, and I could never do that, but I'll try to, and I'll try to meet her in that in, in, in that space so that one day I'll be able to satisfy someone else. So it ends on a on a very sad note, I would say. And, you know, this opening poem portrays Nicole as a broken soul, basically someone who has lost uh, her lover to, to another person who was able to do the things that she cannot. And it, it scares me because it's actually quite a relatable thing. You know, we, we, even if it maybe did not happen exactly as is in, in, in our situations, there definitely has been times where we have felt like, oh my goodness, like what if I'm not good enough? Or what if someone else better comes along? And in, in this poem, that worst nightmare came true for Nicole. When you look at, you know, the book as a whole where she named it after her age, 19, I'm assuming that it was her age, 19 years old. When you're 19, and I quote the legendary and the one and only Miss Britney Spears, you're not a girl, not yet a woman. And Nicole is literally at a crossroads. So this, you know, if we take take a look at how like the opening piece helps to shape your experience and helps to give you the perspective of like what the what was this narrative that the writer or the artist wants to tell you we see poem number one as her starting on low and immediately if i take into consideration the what the the name of the the book 19 i feel like this might be very much so a coming of age book for nicole so, it's actually not too bad an opening, you know? Uh, there are still lines that I, I'm not able to understand, like uh, the third line that says, like, poem sounded better to you before. Can't understand that. I really try to break it down, but I can't. Um, and also, like, one more. Uh, I'll know the poems that she read that made your mind soar. Um, I don't understand the first part of that sentence where she says, I'll know, like... It's very open to interpretation. Um, it's well, but I interpret it as like I will try to know. So that's how I saw it. Um, but on the whole, I think I I can see that you know this poem uh, is one that is quite sad. All right, let's move on to two by Nicole Chu. I could hear it in its quivering voice. The night we laid on the peak of our hill. Tell me a lie. Bring me back to months ago. The sense of disquiet, every glance I took of him, I knew he said a tiny prayer, that I would somehow find my way back to us. So that's poem number two. Interestingly enough, the dynamic changes because in poem one, she is, you know, someone who lost her lover to someone else. So, you know, she is a... Basically, the, the one on the losing end, like the victim role in, in, in poem one. But in poem two, she is the one that um, is getting falling out of love. So immediately, I'm thinking, okay, this is a different guy. This is not Mike anymore. This is um, Johnny. 
and you know she's it opens with a very visual very um descriptive line i could hear it in his quivering voice why is he quivering he's scared right he he's fearful when your voice is shaky you're scared of something so there's immediate tension when she f- opens up the poem like that the night we laid on the peak of our hill so i feel like there might be you know a metaphor coming coming here because the night we laid on the peak of our hill um it, it could be literal maybe their favorite dating spot is um mount emily <laughs> mount faber uh bukit timah hill ah uh, maybe but you know i think and i would bet money that she's doing a very you know metaphorical expression here is very interesting cuz okay the line says the night we laid on the peak of our hill but there is the break there's a break in in this sentence right so it's the night we laid the next sentence the next line on the peak of our hill so that if i'm not wrong is an enjambment so that is a technique that an enjambment line like spills over to the next line so when when poets do this it's to draw attention to the break in that sentence so it's it, it's it's supposed to read out like one sentence like the night we laid on the peak of our hill but because of that enjambment it becomes the night we laid break on the peak of our hill which means that tells me that sh- like nicole is trying to put emphasis on the word laid so when we look at the word laid right laid here has a double meaning it is a double entendre where you know it is open to two interpretations that and 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 the second one is a little bit naughty a little bit risque a little bit you know on the indecent side of things so who would have thought nicole true is very much so a naughty prude lah i'm joking guys but um so what i'm thinking is that like the night we laid on the peak of our hill actually refers to pillow talk you know like the talk that you have with someone after um you uh well do stuff and then that's where you know this, like this person his his voice is shaking and he says nicole tell me a lie bring me back to months ago so what i'm thinking is that holy sh- you know they just had breakup doodoo <laughs> um yeah it it's breakup sex right do do you guys get it is it just me it's like you know they they did the deed and and then they're breaking up now and then the next stanza she goes the sense of this quiet it's so uncomfortable this like tension every glance i took of him why is it a glance you know when you love someone you don't glance at them you look at them intently and lovingly so she's out of love and she said i knew he said a tiny prayer so the dyna- th- there's a power shift this guy johnny johnny is desperate to win her back johnny wants her back and nicole says that i would somehow find my way back to us now this just makes johnny come across as like the weaker one but then you know it also very much so places nicole in the position of like 
the gray area, right? And that's love for a lot of us because, wow, things in a relationship, as much as, you know, you can say that, oh, it's black and white, right? Like, this is a yes, this is a no, or if he does this, I'm breaking up with him. But in love, a lot of things stand in the gray area. And that's where she's at, you know. Perhaps it's comfort for her. Perhaps it's the, the, the sense of familiarity. Uh, but for her, she's just not... She's falling out of love, but she's not ready to let go yet. And her ending on the line of, find my way back to us, tells me that, you know, that is a little bit of her that wants to go back to that too. That she too wants to fall back in love with Johnny. And that's so interesting. Because, as I said, poem one is letting us see her as, you know, this girl that is hurt, that is hurting. And poem two is a poem that puts her perhaps in a more villainous role this time. So it's very interesting and there's no like chronological flow. Like she's not just, like Nicole as an artist is not just telling one story. So if I look at poem one and poem two, it tells me that it's two different people. Uh, At least I hope it is. (laughs) Otherwise it's one hot mess of a relationship if it's just one person. But um, so it seems like these are two different relationship experiences that she's had and she's, you know, putting them like just like that in the opening the two opening poems and it's very interesting because now um whereas i was expecting a this is a you know coming of age book now this book is more like a pastiche right she's just like taking this uh, little insight from from relationship a and then this little insight from relationship b so int- it's very um unconventional for someone to do this because You know, you are not telling a consistent story, but I'm excited because perhaps as a modern feminist, um, Nicole is basically saying that, hey, you know what? I'm a young woman and I'm not one dimensional. I'm not, you know, going to follow the the, the path that the past um, writers before me have carved. You know, I'm going to do my own genre of, of, of poetry and I'm going to like smash these expectations of yours, of me as a female writer. So let's see where this goes. And with that, on that note, let's move on to poem number three. And this is three by Nicole True. Okay, before I start, um, I just want to say that in my review of the book, I did talk about how in some poems, uh, I believe this was one of them, um, I believe there are more, actually. Let, let me take a quick... Okay, I can't find any more, but I feel like this is definitely one of the ones that I referred to. So I did say that, you know, some of the the poems have very unnecessary um, capitalizations of words. And this was one of them, um, you know, where... Oh, how do I do this on, on, on a podcast? See, see, the thing with poems is that they are both... They, they, are, they are meant to be both read out loud and also you know just like seen visually as like writing so i can't show you the poem but i can try to describe it for you so it goes in four stanzas the first line of each stanza ends with a word that is entirely capitalized while the rest of the poem is in normal text so like how you would normally write a sentence 
yeah, I'm gonna just do a dramatic reading of poem number three now, and then we can go into the onto this deep. So this is three by Nicole True. One day you're going to want to go back to the time when lilac skies felt right with me, how I would sneeze and know it was going to rain. One day you're going to need to learn her habits. Her little quirks will somehow remind you of me. One day you're going to utter the same words and wish it felt as raw and genuine as it was with me. One day you're going to wish you could laugh at our little inside jokes and realize that she will never get them as perfectly as I did. So immediately, my first thoughts to this is that wow, this is again a brand new side of Nicole, because. The first two poems tell, like, show a very vulnerable, softer side to her, uh, a little bit more pensive, while this one is angry. Like she is, you know, out for blood. She's gonna go for the jugular. She went for the jugular f- with this one, you know. The first stanza. Let's go. Let's let's dig deep. Okay, so let's sorry. Let's deep dive into the first stanza. One day you're going to want to go back to the time when lilac skies felt right with me. So she's gonna. She's saying, you know. Okay, so I have a feeling that this is Mike. It there's the you and there's the her. It's so um similar to poem number one. I feel like she's talking about the same guy. So let's just call this guy Mike. Okay, so she's saying that Mike. One day you're gonna want to go back to the time with me. And I'm like, okay, so that tells me the context, right? She's she's angry now. You know how in in poem one she's like, yeah, I was not able to make you happy. Uh, but now she has grown, and now she's angry. She's like, you know what? You're gonna miss me. And in stanza two, she says, you're, one day you're gonna need to learn her habits. Her little quirks will somehow remind you of me. So she's saying that you can move on. You can move on with um Becky, but you know what? When you're with Becky, you're gonna be thinking of Nicole, bitch. So that's her, you know, like, like poking him a little bit more. And then the third stanza: One day you're going to utter the same words and wish it felt as raw and genuine as it was with me. So this is just pure, like this is rage, right? This is just illogical rage to me because, obviously, come on, Nicole, like. You won't know if it's gonna be genuinely as you know if it's gonna be really like raw and and as genuine as it was with you. You can't compare, and we've all been there. Let's not go there, Nicole. But I can tell, honey, you're angry, and you know what? Let it out, sis. So, and then in the last paragraph, in the last stanza, she says, "One day you're gonna wish you could laugh at our little inside jokes and realize." Um, she will never get them as perfectly as I did. So, she's saying that now, she's she, like Nicole is the one that is a, the better girl for him. So, if if my theory is correct, and we look at um poem one and poem three as talking about the same people, then oh my goodness. You know, it's like the different stages of grief, right? This is the different stages of a breakup, where it went from self-blame to anger. Both aren't entirely healthy, I would say, but but still very much so natural um, reactions to have. 
Now, let's take a look at, you know, the, the, the words that she capitalized because they are so jarring, you know, the words one day you're going to want, one day you're going to need, one day you're going to utter, one day you're going to wish. And I'm just like, wow, why would you as a poet want to emphasize these words so much? And we look at the words want, need, wish. They belong to the same family. as So Yang on, on, on the Instagram live, she mentioned all these words are desires. But the word utter, you know, that's the only word, that, the only word that's different from the other three. It is the only five-letter word. The others are all four-letter words. And, you know, it's the only one that's not a desire. Utter is a, is a verb. It's an action, right? You utter. One day you're going to utter the same words. What words? My first reaction was, is it I love you? But then maybe it's, you know, just random things as she's been saying all th- throughout this poem. Like the little things. I'm perplexed at why the word utter is all caps. And until now, I cannot confidently give a, a reason as to why. But if I'm trying to guess... It's probably very much so an inside joke between Nicole and what's this guy's name? Mike. Mikey boy. You know, because it's this entire poem talks about the, the little things, right? Like I would sneeze and, and, and know it's gonna rain, the little quirks, the little inside jokes. So this poem is all about the little things. And the fact that she highlighted the word utter tells me that maybe. This is a little Taylor Swift moment where she's trying to, you know, write something that has meaning only to the other person. Otherwise, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Now, one more thing that stuck out to me is that in this poem, poem three, when she writes things like, when lilac skies felt right with me, how I would sneeze. And then she went on to say, uh, as perfectly as I did, I did. When she says I, when she writes the word, the alphabet I, um, in this poem, she writes them capitalized. Then when I look at poem two, you know, where she says, um, I could hear it in his quivering voice. And then later, every glance I took of him, and I knew he said a tiny prayer, and that I somehow would find my way back to us. Every single alphabet I in poem 2 is not capitalized. While in poem 1 and 3, the the alphabet I is capitalized. And I'm just like, that has, that has to be a literary choice, a, a technique that she's employing. Um, you know, when Yang, when I brought it up to Yang, she said maybe it's just aesthetic. Well, maybe. But guys, this is a poetry book okay and we are literature students we're gonna try to understand why she did not capitalize the i in poem two so let's take a look at poem one right she is a um you know victim poem two she is like the villain poem three she is the scorned ex and if you follow my theory of um poem one and three being about the same ex and poem two about, you know, um, a different guy, then maybe that's what she's trying to say, that, like, the power dynamics in um, in two and, and, and versus one and three are entirely different. 
And, you know, when we look at two and, and why it's not capitalized, it reminds me of how when in a relationship, I feel like uh, or, or in, in, in my dealings with someone else, you know, I may not be enough for, for that other person. And when you're not enough, you cannot be the full the full you. So what I'm trying to what I'm thinking is that the reason why she did not capitalize the I in, in poem two is that she feels like she's she's incomplete or or she's lesser than and therefore cannot capitalize the I because she cannot be Nicole, you know. She's no longer I. She is I. A, uh, a lesser version of. Do you guys get what I'm saying? You can't reply, so it's okay. I'm just going to take it that you, you, you say yes. So those are the first three poems of Nicole Choose 19. And um, based on that and that alone, you can already see how much depth this book has if we give it a chance. And I feel like as we continue going through this book, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to rewrite my review and reposition Nicole as the writer of our generation. Because there's so much, you know, don't forget that this is Nicole's first book. And she's not formally trained as a writer. So we, for her to be published, and yes, even though she might have had connections and whatnot, it's a feat of his own. And you know what? Maybe rather than make fun of someone's accomplishment, let's just maybe, you know, celebrate it, right? COVID-19 has made me a little bit more sensitive, a little bit more, you know, like, soft. I have to admit, I'm no longer as critical as I, I used to be. Um, I feel like I, I, I've started to care. Oh my god, who am I? I've started to care more about people. And I feel like this is my redemption journey. Um, starting with this book. My my complicated journey with 19 by Nicole True continues. Who would have known that a book that I dismissed two years ago has become such an obsession for me? What is happening, guys? Why is a book by an influencer taking over my life? I'm literally obsessed there. Now, I can say that I have I have written an article about it. I've dressed up as it for Halloween. And now I've made an entire episode uh, on my podcast dedicated to this book. And I'm only been through, I've only been through three out of 57 poems. Oh my god, what is going on? We are literally in an alternate dimension or something. But regardless, I hope you enjoyed the analysis of Nicole Truth 19. Um, well, I guess I'm just not able to complete the rest of the book uh, in this episode. So perhaps, just perhaps, I might do uh, part two, part three, part four, and so on. Um, let me know if you <laughs> if you would like me to do so. 
<laughs> like I I I I've always thought that the, the the people who listen to the podcast are mostly like the fans of the the guests that I have, meaning to say that um this episode probably won't even have like um listeners at all. I think I'm I can confidently say that I can draw in ten people to listen to, to this episode, and you know what? That's good enough for me. Um, and of course, the standard, the usual, go and follow um, the uh, podcast on Spotify, subscribe on Apple, and make sure that you share the episode with your friends, even if it's just one friend um, that you think will enjoy the podcast, please share the episode with them as well. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you guys are keeping safe, keeping sane at home. Follow <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram. I will be, I will be posting more about you know this book. I I reckon um at Limex Joel that's L I M X J O E L and also follow Zirap at Zirap Mag that's Z Y R U P M A G. Okay, so thank you very very much, guys, for even bothering with this episode. It's two years late, but you know what? Circuit Breaker has really changed the game for all of us so keep safe and i will see you next episode Ooh, ooh! by the way um i have set up the workstation at home uh on how to continue this podcast and again i'm full fully on board the hashtag quarantine content train and um i am speaking with a little someone to try to get them on board um, as the next guest of this podcast. In fact, if you know the history behind the phrase naughty prude, then I think that you might have an idea of who this next guest might be. I think that's all I'm going to say. Um, there can be various people uh, that can that can be, you know, the the the, the guest, <laughs> but. Uh, I'm I'm trying to get one 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 of um the possible options first. So that's all I'll say. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. I love you guys so much. Bye bye. <laughs>